Hello everybody, welcome to Optional Opinion here on the Anomalous Radio Network. I'm your host, ADV. Thank you guys for joining in. Joining in. <laughs> Hope everyone is having a great day, having a great weekend, uh, having a great week whenever you listen to this podcast. Hope things are going great in your life. Um, on today's episode, which is a really special episode, um, we're going to be talking about, well, it ain't Mario, and uh, B-rated platforms. And I just did a uh, week's blog if you missed it you can check it out on ign.com under anime just type in optional opinion and you will find it um the theme there and I, what i'm talking about is like b reddit games uh platformers like they're not the top they're somewhat top quality but not really you know getting there um they're kind of like mid-tier games um and i just did a week of talking about um why mario is the top and how um sonic the hedgehog kind of became a b-rated game um and then talked a little bit more about uh what makes a b-rated game and then just saying you know it's okay so we're going to be talking about those things going over but um i want to start off by saying you know what makes mario the best and why is is it not a b-rated game or anything like that well definitely what makes mario the best is that it's this jumping mechanic um ever since super mario brothers uh came to the nintendo uh entertainment system it's always been a solid title and that jumping mechanic has always been um really good really works for mario and the way that he attacks and used throughout the game to get in uh, different areas like when you're holding the b button to make him run uh your timing of the jump you know is is depending on how how much you press the a button and you know depending on where you land at and the timing of the jump when you're running you really feel the sense that you know you're doing some really good platforming you're getting the sense of the basic mechanics that come with that game uh you you kind of love to get in the star and hitting uh as many enemies as you can to get that one up as the points go you know it kind of have a little bit of a pac-man sense to it you know when you get the uh power pellet and you start eating all the ghosts uh over and over or the four ghosts um you you kind of get like a lot of raking up points and stuff uh with same thing with super mario brothers that once you get the star and you run hitting all the enemies you'll, you you want to jump so you can make sure that you hit that hammer brother or you hit that turtle that's on that top ledge so that you can continue getting points while still running uh, you know the jumping mechanic has always been important uh to the mario series um creative levels and boss fights ever since uh super mario brothers uh one has been out there's always been creative levels and as super mario brothers 2 came out you know they had different bosses in the game so it was kind of a switch and then super mario brothers 3 switched it up with different bosses with the koopa kids uh super mario brothers 4 started having uh uh, the Cooper kids doing different stuff and then when they actually got to like super mario sunshine and galaxy uh there was different types of bosses um that represented the land so you would have uh mid bosses and you would have the main boss and you would just have to find out different ways to beat them uh 
with the galaxy and kind of with the galaxy and with the uh, Super Mario Sunshine, you know, when it came to the levels that the world was big and depending on the path that it was kind of designed for that level, you would have to go through that path to get that star or to find that secret. So um, there was different ways to attack each level that, you know, they would have a different thing and your goal is uh, to get that star. Now, when you get that star, um, it adds to your uh, your star collection to get to other worlds. Definitely in Galaxy, you know, you use that star to get to other worlds. Um, if you look at Super Mario Brothers for uh, new Super Mario Brothers, like for the DS, Wii, and Wii U, um, it brought that old school 2D platforming back. So it put a new spin with the attacks and stuff, but to have multiple friends, definitely with uh, Wii, the Wii and the Wii U version, to have different uh, people join you, um, to have different levels of experience with the Mario games, it always makes it, it always makes it fun and very interesting. Definitely with Super Mario Brothers uh, 3D World and 3D Land, that well, definitely with 3D World, it kind of brings back that old feeling of Super Mario Brothers 2 and adds some new power-ups and stuff, which um, th- that, that's that been one of the great things with the Mario games that makes it like kind of the best, is that when they add power-ups to the game, it always changes the gameplay. So they kind of find innovative, uh, innovative, innovative ways um, to really make the levels seem like very distinct like be like wow they got this power up level to um be able to do this and you'd be like okay i need this power level uh this uh, power up to do this um definitely with super mario 3d world when they start doing the cherries and i was just like oh my goodness like the cat suit was awesome i love the cat suit um once i start seeing the cherries i was and they give me double marios and double luigis and just doubling my character i was just like this is crazy but this is awesome because now the way that i'm seeing it and you know it adds a, a more depth to it it adds some more challenging you know i have to kind of figure out and do more timing like it puts more effort that from the player to put in to be like okay I have to think of this as this um, in a certain way so I could get these coins or get this bonus or, you know, get the special item and stuff, this rare coin. Like, the power-ups, like, still, the raccoon, um, the Tanuki suit and Super Mario Bros. 3, still, like, one of the recognizable uh, power-ups in video game history, still to this day, you know, uh, the, the you know, with, even with the frog. Um, Yoshi has, you know, even he, he has his own games and puzzle games and stuff like Yoshi. Um, even though he's a additional character, like people use him as a power up. You know, when you get a small Yoshi, you have to feed him five times in order for him to get a big Yoshi. And he comes in different colors. Like he was seen as a power up, but he ended up being a, a important character to the Mario franchise. Kind of like Tails. Like he Tails became a important character to Sonic. 
No, uh, even though Tails is just more of a character and not more of a power up, where like Yoshi is kind of like could be either or, but you know they made him important because of his skill and and the way that you use him. Um, that Mario definitely works well in two D and three D. Like you could play any of the two D games and any of the three D games and have fun with them and get the. Uh, creative um, direction that the team was going for. Even when you play Super Mario um, Land, the Super Mario Land 2 on the Game Boy, like, those games are still good. Uh, Super Mario World is still one of the best Mario games for the Mario series. You know, it, it, like, definitely with me, when it comes to the Mario games, um, he's more recognizable. He's more memorable. Um, he got a timeless music score <laughs> throughout the whole series. Like, uh, definitely Super Mario 3D World that you guys just heard in the intro like that jazz of live effect that just you know that's great music uh, Super Mario World you know got the you know when you hop on Yoshi it changes the music uh, uh, sometimes you'll go to a different land and you'll hear like a remix version like like there's so many things in the Mario series that Miyamoto and um, all the creators and directors who worked on it and, and bring those game out. Like they're always thinking of great things and new things. And definitely with uh, Super Mario Maker out, allowing us to be creators. You know, we that meant that uh, idea of creating a Mario level may seem simple, but when you put thought into it, and you know, you 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 know just go through your own way of design you realize how difficult it really can be because you kind of want to make it challenging but you want to be sure you want to make sure that it's playable and that's probably how Miyamoto and the team thinks when they was making a Mario games like they want to make sure that it's challenging and if you really want to get uh everything in it we're going to make you <laughs> work for it um compared to where Mario Maker is just like you get to balance how you want the challenge to be you want to be a super hard or super you know or you want to be easy or like kind of normal a lot of people who do Mar some Mario Maker levels like they really want to show off um no, just don't do nothing and you can have this stuff going on. Where other people just suspect that they just want to play a Mario level. They want to see the creativity from you as the individual. And for me personally, that works very well. And that's kind of what makes the Mario games like really good. Like every time, like uh, the the tips and the secrets and stuff that you find in the game that you could do, it's like it's unbelievable. Given getting like a hundred man and Super Mario World on three one with the blocks, uh, you know, doing that repeated jump. Uh, I don't know how many people. Uh, really need that many men to uh, get that far in the game because you you kind of could breed it uh, with you know easily with about two or three men. Um, depending on if you're doing a straight run of all 32 levels. Um, if you're doing the cheat, you know the warp zone stuff, that should be fine too. But um, if you if you really want to give yourself a challenge and you don't really need that many men, I say play through the whole game. Um, I definitely done that with all, with pretty much all Mario games that I play every level. Um, definitely when it got to like uh, Galaxy and Sunshine, um, I try to get as many stars as I can. Um, I can't fully get them all because there are just some really difficult levels and very challenging. But that's what kind of what I love about the Mario games is like if I want to go there. 
there and get it um i could i can and be challenged just right and i think that's what makes mario as the, like kind of the best platformer compared to some uh some of the b-rated titles that we're going to be talking about soon so when i come back we're going to be talking about how sonic the hedgehog actually became a b-rated title and i will be right back Let's talk about how the Sonic franchise became a B-rated title. Um, definitely with Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, you know, Sonic 1, uh, Sonic 2, and Sonic 3 um, are really great games for the sake of Genesis. And at that time, I think the Super Nintendo was also out. You know, Sega was trying to challenge uh, Nintendo at that time. You know, definitely in the competitive space. So they had to come up with a creator, unlike creator, they had to come up with a mascot that could kind of beat Mario that was very cool and very hip. Definitely this is the time of the 90s where there just had to be certain things that had to be cool and hip to um, attract more uh, kid gamers and stuff. And kind of some of the teens and stuff. So they came up with Sonic the Hedgehog, and you can read about that story uh, on how all of that was created. Um, and, you know, me during that time, of course, I was a big Nintendo fan, um, and I wasn't really bothered by Sonic the Hedgehog or anything like that. My brother, he owned the Sega Genesis, not on the Super Nintendo. So, you know, we kind of had both uh, families <laughs> in in the household, so... I would play Sonic the Hedgehog from time to time. And I actually played one and two all the way. My brother didn't get three, but I rented three and enjoyed it for what it was. Um, it seemed weird, kind of odd, you know, uh, with the way that it was playing. Um, it was kind of new to me with some of the stuff, but I did enjoy it. Very impressive. I will say very impressive. I like how the first level in Sonic 3 that you're running and it looks kind of regular and then it catches on fire. Like, they're different parts of the level every time you went to a different act it would always change um uh smart uh spider-man uh sonic 1 and sonic 2 um uh, are kind of like the one some of the best sonic games that i play um i did finish both of them um 100 i got all the gems that uh 
that came in that that was in the game and i got super sonic uh super go sonic and beat the game that way um it was a lot of hard work uh but i did enjoy it um but when the game started going to 3D, I believe that's when it started to become more of a B-rated game. Why? Um, because they was changing the gameplay, um, and the, which reduced the speed. Um, they sold Sonic the Hedgehog on his speed alone. That he's uh, you know, a very speedy character, very fast, very quick. And when you watch the old Sega commercials, you kind of see how fast he. Uh, how fast the level scroll i'm like it it was really nice to see definitely in 2d um at the time for a 16-bit game for that to go like really fast and keep up with the frame rate without slowing down uh especially when you see sonic 2 when they add uh quirk screws uh to the level so not only do you got the upside down loop you got the quirk screws so it made it more of uh and even uh double loops like they kind of made like sonic head the hedgehogs games like uh it was platforming platforming but it was like a roller coaster mixed together and you would enjoy how quickly sonic would get up like uh you know when he got fast and when you was on a good roll collecting rings and everything like that it always felt good but when Sonic went into 3D and different characters, um, definitely when he they added his friends, like uh, Sonic Adventure, uh, when it came out for Dreamcast, when he went into 3D, it kind of almost felt like it was going to be a, a return to it. But be, due to the fact that Super Mario 64 was such a popular title and a lot of platforming games were go, going into the 3D space. Sorry about that. Going into the 3D space you had to worry about camera and control and i think this was kind of uh sega's first time putting sonic into an actual 3d environment where it looks cool that he was running now some would say well no they did sonic 3d blast well the problem with sonic 3d blast is that it was on an isometric uh plane so it wasn't really in 3d like it was kind of a little bit hard control there was it wasn't like uh like if you play look at super mario rpg that's kind of an isometric uh game um and the way that that control uh was kind of easier than it was with sunday 3d blast um when it sunday future came out you were able to um roam a little bit more freely and kind of be able to control uh, control the camera somewhat um it it was good for it's being intro so it was kind of still showing promise what it was but i think once uh he be started to become a werewolf and like son of hedgehog 2006 and stuff like once he started um getting they sega started making that with sonic th that's when the problems start arriving um and uh, his friends in sonic adventures so definitely when you're playing the dreamcast games uh you know there will be a point where sonic will uh will you know he wouldn't be the character that you was playing you have to play like big the cat or amy um like and it would change the gameplay and the, some of the level design and you were forced to um uh, play those and you know try to beat those levels so you could get to the final boss of the game 
So, and once that started happening, it was just like, this is, um, definitely for, uh, for me, I did play the dream, uh, Sonic Adventure. I didn't play Sonic Adventure 2. I played, uh, did play Sonic Adventure to the very end. Like, I did as much as I can with all the characters and stuff. Um, when I got to the end, I couldn't beat the boss. Um, I tried and I tried and I just keep failing and stuff. So I never got to beat it, but hopefully I could go back and beat it one day. Um, when they started adding his friends and doing different gameplay mechanics, I think that's when it started being a problem because the Sega team kept changing it. Like, we understand they went into more for like Crash Bandicoot style gameplay, not like very first person, but it's very linear and you're going to do like one path. So, um, doing multiple paths and stuff, you know, were kind of taken out of the game. Um, when they started mixing the 3D and the 2D together, um, like you'll be on the 3D path and then they'll switch to 2D. Um, you can, you will be able to switch to different planes and stuff in different areas and be able to do more. Um, once they started doing that, you know, it would kind of remind you of the old Sonic games that people like. And people wonder why Sega kept changing it. They thought that if they changed it and, you know, it might look fun, uh, it would be something that would sell very well and, you know, sell as big as it did back in the 90s. And it, it's a difficult story, if a difficult, not story, but viewpoint if you look at it. Like, Sonic still sells well, but only to Sonic fans. Um, people who are not Sonic fans, but, you know, want, but still love platforms and stuff, would kind of, you know, be interested seeing, you know, the trailer and the gameplay looks right. They might be like, you know what, I might give that a try. And they'll probably give, you know, give it a try. And it may be decent and may be good. You know, Sonic Colors for Wii and Sonic Generation for PS3 and 360, 360 are good examples. They were able to bring in still that modern uh, design of that Crash Bandicoot style of 3D uh, to play. But then, like, on a different part, they would put it as 2D and it was still fun. You know, so it it, it worked very well. And even, like, um, you know, Sonic Chronicles for the DS was a good game. Um, uh, the Sonic uh, that came out for Wii when the uh, system launched, that was that was a good game. They was giving it very good, decent, uh, decent ratings. But when it got to like um um sonic boom and um rise of the lyric you know that that became a real bad product and it was just like my goodness what really happened to the quality of the sonic games um yeah if you if people who know um retro force go um uh uh, Stella Wong, Chad Casemo, and Jim Sterling did uh, an episode about Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, kind of doing a retrospective. And Jim Sterling was talking about Sonic the Hedgehog for 2006, how poor it was, um, how, like, the story didn't really make no sense. Uh, I know Shane B- Bettenhausen um, from EGM, uh, I think he was reviewing it or playing it, that he said that 
uh, he literally put the controller down, and for about 12 to 15 minutes, the game was playing itself. He didn't touch nothing. Like, uh, it, it, like they started him Sonic running, and he just kept running, like, uh, I guess going downhill or something. And, you know, he was just like, I didn't touch the game, and it, for almost 12 to 15 minutes, it played itself. And that, and they were just saying how poor Sonic Hedgehog uh, 2006 was, and I don't think Sonic has ever recovered from it. Like he has some good games here and there, but most of his games, like Shadow the uh, Shadow the Hedgehog, doesn't really have nothing to do with Sonic, but because he's a character in the series, and they use that 3D format, um, it became very problematic. And you know, giving uh, Sonic, you know. Uh, definitely giving Sonic uh, a gun th- that th- that's crazy that really really is crazy um more on from that though I, I just really wish that um you know Sonic would have been able to be uh, a, a quality title that uh gets back to its roots because because um of Sonic sorry about that um due to Sonic boom rise of the lyric you know really filling on consoles sega decided not to bring it back to um consoles they're making it more for mobile now you probably find the old games uh maybe sonic 1 and sonic 2 on uh the classic and their sega generate uh generate not generations um their um sega collections that come out for systems and even though for pc like they they go back to that like they really haven't did a collection of the modern sonic games why probably because they don't you know, they don't feel in appeal well like i would love to play sonic adventures again on wii u or ps4 or or even xbox one like or even like 3ds like i would love to play those games again um i would love to play sonic adventure 2 um you know uh i would just love to play you know some of their earlier 3d iterations of the sonic games because i think more most fans don't really know that they haven't really experienced the dreamcast um series of games and it would be good for a lot of players to do that so when i come back we're going to talk about what actually makes a b-rated platform and i will be right back
Okay, so what makes up a, a B-rated platform? Um, definitely around uh, the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, Super Ni- not Super Nintendo, the, um, the N64 and GameCube and even the Xbox area, uh, you will get a lot of platforming games. Um, because of the success of Mario, definitely, um, you know, the way that it was kind of thought of is that if you had a system out, you had to have a platforming game, and that platforming game, depending on its sales, will become your mascot to represent what your company or what your system is about. Um, if you look at Nintendo, of course, Mario is the representation of Nintendo um, because how well the Mario games are. For Sega, it's been Sonic the Hedgehog because of how well Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 and Sonic in general is loved by many. Um, with the PlayStation, um, it became kind of like Crash Bandicoot. I mean, they tr- they tried different things to to represent that system, but um, it, Crash Bandicoot was kind of their representative if you look at it because of how well it so. I know they had like the Purple Man um, for PlayStation One when it first came out, but um, due to the fact that um, Naughty Dog brought out Crash Bandicoot and it was very successful. Um, they use that uh as their you know kind of represent them now not so much uh they really don't have any um kind of mascot this is kind of kind of have the playstation symbol that represent them um with microsoft it actually became master chief to represent uh how strong the uh xbox was um at that time you was thinking it would be like malice because uh of how well um people wanted that game and how exclusive they was Microsoft was working with that uh the developer who was making it um but again which you could actually read about that on how uh that became very problematic with this development and um Microsoft ended up dropping um that title as an exclusive title for that system um and someone else picked it up and made the game um but to make a B-rated platform, like, what really makes it? Definitely for me, it's some bad box art. Um, there are just some some um, titles that just look really, really bad um, with this box art. You kind of look at it and you just be like, what in the world did they use to draw this? And even when you look in the back of it, you kind of see it'll tell you like an action platformer or something like that. But there are some platformer games that just have bad box art with the way that um, the 3D is designed on the game. Like not really much hand drawn uh, with that, but like just really bad 3D uh, looking at it. Like the some of them are kind of cartoonish and when you when you see it and then you look at the back just be like this looks like two different of course it's two different art styles but just be like Ooh, sorry about that everybody um you look at it and you look at the box and just be like oh my goodness this doesn't look like not any bit fun uh kind of like with some of the modern games like it's kind of clean and uh, it's gotten a little bit better but there's still like some games that's just like i would not pick it up because of the box art but uh you might be surprised if you picked up the title and play it um the next one is definitely an animal mascot or some kind of team that you look at it most platformers 
a feature an animal. Not too many humans are in are in some of the games, uh, but like you will sell more of a platform game if it dealt with animals in a particular world. Um, and so sometimes you'll see the animal uh, like Ratchet and Clank, um, even though that's not B rated or anything like that. Um, you like look at something like that and just like, OK, you know, this is like a team that looks like it's going to be a fun game um, because you, you're kind of definitely with Sony. They've been known for using animal mascots. Um, or animals for their platform games, Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, um, with, uh, Daxter being some kind of squirrel looking thing, uh, Spyro the Dragon, of course he was a dragon, like, those was kind of like first party titles, uh, for PlayStation 1, and all of them, like, really featured animal in their games, uh, uh, of course, Tasmanian Devil, like the Looney Tunes and the Nick cartoons and stuff, like they always you you know they have a lot of games also um, because they were licensed properties, um, and some of the licensed properties they would be uh, a lot of platform games. Like Nickelodeon is like really guilty during the 16-bit area, whether it was a movie like The Addams Family or um, you know not much the lawnmower man but i think lawnmower man or like home alone uh too um like that those kind of those kind of games that came out that was based on the movie they were like platforming games and you know they were kind of like movie caches and tie-ins and stuff like that you you look at the box and you look in the back and just be like oh my goodness look at this game like it was really like a b-rated platformer uh definitely you know if it had thq or whoever was making a lot of those uh movie games and licensed games and stuff like ocean did the adams family used to be like wow um it's it's very uh like not top quality it doesn't have much there uh sometimes the games were hard to control um um you know it had annoying sound effects uh some of the catchphrases and the dialogues would repeat um definitely if uh something like punky skunk for a playstation one you would sw- uh swing your tail as a skunk and um to hit enemies and definitely when you did that you kept hearing his sound like that he would make and it would get repetitive and it was part of all of his attacks and stuff. Like, there were just things attached to some of these games that just didn't really make sense. It was just really bad. Um, jaunty music that tells you that the game only has a small soundtrack of three or seven um, tracks to it, like background music. Like, there was just some games that really didn't have a lot of music. Uh, and it might be due to budget. Um, sometimes the production can affect a good game. Of course, if you have someone like Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony, you got money, so you got time to work on it and be able to craft your uh, platformer a little bit better so that it doesn't fall into a B-rated game. Um, where like with third party they might have like small uh development teams who really gotta probably put a game together and crunch it you know and put it out like you might have six to seven months that you need a game to be done and finished before this movie comes out or while the hype is good while people are watching these uh tv shows and loving it um you might actually have to do a lot to get them out. Um, look at Power Rangers. Even though Power Rangers is more of a brawler kind of platform gaming, 
for the Super Nintendo and even for the Sega Genesis, um, you know, it was hot. You know, the movie had was out. Um, it was doing well as a TV series. So they were trying to push so much merchandise and so much of the game, uh, like video game space out, you know, to capture the capture the uh, how awesome the series was like you know they were advertising it to a lot of kids and definitely when you played it it was it was okay but it wasn't like streets of rage 2 quality it wasn't like really really high up there it was just like kind of challenging and kind of like boring and bland and stuff like that uh, so you know the, the, those kind of games uh while the, while the going is good while the uh, uh pot is hot um, just they kind of sometimes will rush a game just to get it out there, just to sell sell it to people. Um, like the movie tie-ins that like I said earlier, they were just more like cash-ins because they would they felt like that they could get a lot out of they advertised this merchandise and it'd be like, oh, this game, this movie is so awesome. You know, you kind of need this video game to go along with it. Um, and you still kind of got that for some of the movies, definitely with Disney games. Um, when some of the movies come out, they might have a game that comes out with it. Not not so much now, but you know, you have Cars that's came, that came out. Um, the Lion King back in the Super Nintendo Sega Genesis days that came out. Aladdin came out, and some were really good depending on who the developer was. Capcom was very great with disney products uh with tailspin chippendale rescue rangers um ducktales um aladdin for the super nintendo uh goof troop you know they were like really hot uh i think gargles also had a game um you know capcom and capcom was really good with it because they worked so well with disney bringing out those kind of platforming games um uh the sega had uh uh mickey's uh castle or something like that mickey's castle quest of mickey's castle something like that um that came out for the sega genesis that sega worked on and brought up really good platforming game like they have definitely in the 16-bit days really good games uh with disney and stuff definitely for their tv shows and movie titans and we kind of don't see that anymore you know we got kind of got like skylanders and um you know the lego uh lego uh the lego game um disney infinity uh we get even got like the, the jurassic park lego and the batman lego and stuff like you know movies based on uh the issue we got the lego movie as a video game you know stuff like that uh they're 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 good like telltale they're good games um but they, they, they sometimes don't have a full polish tool uh, so that kind of makes them a little bit more B-rated. Um, there's a, too much of a collector down throughout the game. And sometimes the broken mini games, uh, you have to get more if you want 100%, uh, 100% it. Um, those kind of collected down games sometimes and you can even blame uh mario sunshine or mario 64 that you had to collect a certain amount of stars or a uh, certain amount of stuff to get to the next level um where there are some games like if you look at jack and dexter 2 that you have to collect so much stuff to get to the next part of an area um and you know when you're trying to collect everything 
you you'll press the pause button and they'll give you a status of what stuff that you need to get and it's very to me personally it's very polarizing that they did that i really don't know why they did it but you know it, it kind of I, I was kind of weirded out about it just like why do i gotta collect all this stuff definitely when it came to the playstation one area era um you know, I 100 percent it's uh spiral, 100 percent it, um, uh, Crash Bandicoot one and two, um, and it, it kind of got so tiring. Like they, it, I don't want to say that if they made it to an RPG, but sometimes there are some of the place, uh, not place it. There's some of the B-rated titles that you really had to collect certain stuff to get extra health. So they kind of made it like an RPG, and the collectathons, you know, stuff that you had to collect so many watts or or tools or coins or whatever to trade into a shop to get more powers or to make yourself stronger. And sometimes you had to collect it so you can make sure that that world that you're in is completed before you go back. Um, sometimes you have to go to that mini uh uh that mini challenge or that mini game and try to get number one so that you could get that top prize um and some people will try definitely i tried um uh, to get like all three prizes like third second and first um but i always used to get uh i would always get second and then i had to do first and you would have to kind of memorize all of this so you know doing all those collected down piece parts of the game just made it the game kind of longer um and for some people that's really good but when you have to collect so much to get 100 percent, and if there's an extra hidden uh ending behind behind that that gets frustrating because you you realize that okay i worked hard to get this ending um and the ending might be like okay it might lead into a sequel or something but there might be some extra scenes that you realize of you know what happens if i get a hundred percent and i you know it opens up a special boss and stuff and i beat that boss is there another ending sometimes it is um definitely like with kingdom hearts and stuff uh but that's more of a role-playing game um donkey kong not donkey kong um bencher kazooie uh, for the nintendo 64 kind of has that that you got to collect so much to get to the final boss and if you actually collect everything you get a special ending um and, and it's just stuff like that that kind of frustrates me because none of the mario games have that you you collect stars and if you get all the stars you might get something extra you know but you know the game is very challenging so there's that's something that you can actually brag about that you got everything and show everybody like wow you really did it because you know if you play some of the extra levels in super mario galaxy uh one and then two um it opens up so many worlds and stuff that it, it, there are just some very challenging and difficult things that you have to deal with definitely with the some uh bonus stuff that you have to control that doesn't feel right you kind of got to be sensitive and time your stuff um but that there's just been so much stuff that you have to collect a uh, jack and daxter um for playstation one i collected everything to get that special end and then it was kind of it was very difficult 
um, to do that because I'm like, what am I getting out of this? I was proud that I got everything. And well, when I start playing again on PlayStation 3, because uh, I got the uh, collection, um, I'm going to try to get as much of everything in one and, and three. I'm going not really much in two because two is like they got some stuff that just doesn't work for me. That's very difficult. Um, but I'm going to face it. Hopefully, I could beat it. And Jack and Dexter is not a kind of it's not really a B rated title or anything like that let's just have a lot of collectathon stuff that's in that game um and you kind of got to spend a lot of time uh to beat it so to kind of actually ask more uh gameplay um some of the elemental stages are just so like like there's if you're going to have a platforming game you're going to have fire water earth wind you're going to have to deal with those elemental stages they can never do anything without an elemental stage um definitely like if you, even if you look at the metroid series like they do elemental stages and part of uh wherever area that you go to so th- i mean that doesn't make it a uh, b-rated but there's are uh, sometimes that you just be, wish that the challenge that came in the game didn't really have those elemental stages you know ice is really like really slippery and you know you gotta watch out for fire because that's kind of going to damage you really bad or you'll die from it uh when will mess up your jumping time and like it might push you back and stuff like that there's just so much that these elements do <laughs> that it gets frustrating when you play platform to platform platform and each gang somewhat wants to do the same thing, but not really. They kind of change it up. It gets really crazy and really frustrating. And when it's in a B-rated platforming game, sometimes uh, you might jump definitely in like an ice world and slip a little bit extra where you can't really stop yourself. Um, and just like what, like Mega Man, for example, um, you when you go to Iceman stage, you'll be jumping on some of the ice, and then when you want to just turn her back, uh, turn you know other way around. Sometimes you'll still be sliding, and it takes you around to get that traction back to get going, and it gets frustrating. Definitely when it puts you in the pit or it hits you, and you die over and over. Um, in a platforming game, it just gets ridiculously frustrating because sometimes it's just like really overnight where you just be like, I just want to beat this ice world. And I just want to beat this wind world. I just want to be done with this fire and water and, you know, this mechanical land. And I I just want to be done with the same stuff that's been in almost every platforming game. I just want something creative and something new. Okay. Yes. And then even Nintendo is guilty with it with some of the Mario series, uh, with some of the poison, some of the desert, uh, some, just some of the land areas. But, you know when they don't spend a lot of time with it when they try to switch it up that's what i like about it you know they try to do their best to switch it up and not really stay there uh so when i come back um i'm gonna test that everybody know it's being b rated okay you'll find out when i come back
So, um, is being beat rated okay? Um, actually, it is. Um, let's just, um, uh, let's just admit, Nintendo games alone are expensive. Um, uh, and sometimes a, a B-rated game might come out for a budget price, like a twenty dollars, thirty dollars, or forty dollars. Uh, um, definitely in this time of age, uh, with some indie games, you might get a good deal. You know, ten dollars or fifteen dollars here. Um, like if you look at Shovel Knight, uh, it came out at fifteen dollars, but it was worth it as a platforming game. Uh, now, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, I think it went down the price to nineteen ninety nine for the physical copy. So you're available. If you don't have it yet, you're still able to go get it digitally or physically. And, you know, that's a game that's, you know, that's indie, that's triple A, um, in this development, uh, that's at a budget price. And that's kind of how some B rated games work. They were at a really good budget price, um, because, you know, paying for a real, uh, like a really good Mario game, you're going to spend fifty dollars. You or you're going to use a coupon or try to wait for it to go on sale nowadays. But when you do play, uh, when you do pick it up and you do pay the money, you really are going to get uh great quality. And sometimes there's just some mid tier B rated games that don't give you good quality. But sometimes it's creative and it's worth the investment. You know, um. You might find a gem in the game, uh, in the music and the story and the gameplay. You might just be like, well, you know, there's expectation that this game won't sell or anything, but you know, I might give it a try because I like platformers and you, um, I might play it and just be so surprised to be like, oh wow, this is kind of fun. This kind of, you know, they did, they work on uh, in their design. Um, they kind of, sometimes you could, I, I like to say they studied the Nintendo philosophy of, uh, designing games and you kind of see their creative input you know they might not have a big budget you know there might not be uh, a huge graphical um art style uh, approach to it or anything but you know it, it might be it might look decent and it might play very well and be like wow i pay only 20 or 30 bucks for this it just came out and it's very good and interesting this is cool um it's really good for your library if you could go back and play some of the retro b-rated titles um which i am going to be doing some recommendations later on in the show um you might be able to find some like really good games um i don't want to say prince of persia was a b-rated title but it was kind of shocking on how good it was as a puzzle platforming game you know it, it had its action and stuff like that but it was more of a puzzle game but with a lot of good platforming a lot of jumping um the uh the rewind uh, mechanic was very well done so it kind of helped you stay alive and things like that um it was such a good game like that um now you know with so many sequels coming in, coming out that came out and they kind of stopped it because it didn't sell well um they kind of ran into the grounds from it you know a tr it started out as a triple a game and it was pretty good and they kind of made it a b-rated title the more the and the more that they came out um and less they sold like they really wasn't doing anything interesting or new to it um there's still decent games and stuff like that but it didn't really kick off like 
it should have. You know, I think, you know, with three games uh, to its name, it should have been done at the third one and then just gave it a rest. But they kept selling it because it became a cash cow, kind of like Assassin's Creed. Um, but, you know, they, they're not doing one for this year, so that's good. Um, not everything has to be Mario. You know, not everything has to feel like it's a Mario platforming game. You know, I with B-rated titles, they try to do something different. You know, they do like the double jump and wall jump and special moves and special powers and power ups and coins or some kind of currency. Like they know the foundational stuff they that need to have, but it doesn't really need to be just exactly like a Mario game. The jumping has to be important. So the jumping uh, mechanic has to be right. And the attack has to be right. Um, I know there's uh, some games that when you attack, you'll spin or you'll shoot a projectile or you're like kind of punch or something to move forward. Like there's things that you could use to make uh, your character attack in a certain way. Uh, but the jumping definitely has to be important. If they're jumping this bad and just be like, well, we study Mario, so, you know, the jumping kind of feel like this. Um, if your jumping feels very floaty or very hard with, like, the there's a the leg with the button presses and stuff, it becomes very difficult to really recommend that game or even really play, their, play that game. Um, but sometimes, you know, it, it may work if they get the jumping right and they get the attack. Um, if the music is right, if the story is funny, very comedic and stuff, like the writing and the localization is very well done, you might find a really good title from a company or a developer that you really never expected. And that's cool. That's what's good about some B-rated titles, um, B-rated platformers that... There's just something about them that just makes them stand on their own and really shine. Um, they're affordable, like I said, twenty nine, thirty nine bucks. Uh, definitely with the age of indie games that's coming out, you can pick something up for five to fifteen dollars. Like, really help the developers who really put their creative minds and you know everything they had into this game. Um, definitely now you know it's a nice collector's item to have. I still have Vex for GameCube. Um. Which is kind of a B-rated title. Um, people didn't expect it to sell well because they didn't know much about it. But it's a really good 3D platformer. It's, it's you know, it passed, um, it passed, you know, my enjoyment to be like, wow, this is a really good game. Um, and I, that's like one of the games that I'm going to be recommending in the next section. But, you know, there's nothing really wrong playing a B-rated or owning a B-rated title. Like there's there's some games that even though it might have bad, bad uh, box art, it's really good to enjoy and really, really play. So, um, even though it's not Mario and it will never be Mario, B-rated titles of platformers, B-rated platformer games are really fun to play. You just kind of got to pick and choose, uh, read some reviews, um, talk to some friends who probably played these games, um, and, and kind of get an idea. If you're still down for it and you have a system that still works to play that game, and you're able to purchase it i said go for it give it a try see if it's see if you like it now some might say that it's a waste of money if, if you do that but you know it, it, it to me i see it like this it expands your 
gameplay experience. Uh, and it, it, you know, expands your library, expands your range of what genres of games that you like. Um, so when I come back, I'm going to give you guys some recommendations. So here are some of my recommendations and you might have to see who selling these systems to get these games um, or if they're available on the virtual console, uh, the eShop, um, if they're on uh, PlayStation Network or Xbox Live. Um, I do recommend that you guys uh, try to pick them up or anything like that or if you go to a local neighborhood that's doing a garage sale or it has a game store, you might be able to find uh, some of these titles, which I which I really do hope and recommend that you guys do play and uh, really pick up. So um, my first title is Whiplash for PlayStation 2 and uh, Xbox. Um, I think they came out for GameCube. I'm not sure, but I think it's PlayStation 2 and Xbox. I have the Xbox version. And it's kind of an animal mascot where this rat, uh, rabbit and this rodent kind of become our like experiments and uh they're chained together and you know the rabbit is kind of have has an attitude and um the rat that you are uh is kind of stupid in a way and they make him look really dumb or really stupid but um it's a 3d platformer game and you use actually the rabbit to do attacks and to get around in the area like grappling and um helping you double jump and uh uh giving them special powers and stuff like that um really good game is is like i said it's very b-rated <laughs> when you look at the coverage you'd be like oh my goodness this was acceptable you'd be like yeah early 2000s it was acceptable um Psychonauts. Um, now, the reason why I call it, I uh, proclaim this as a B-rated title is that it didn't sell well, even though it is from Ch- Tim Schafer and Double Fine. Um, it had some problems uh, when before it came out. 
um and you probably could uh, read the story about that but it's such a it, it's a game that deserves to be played i believe it's on playstation 4 so you can check it out on psn uh should be available if not uh see if um you could get it on PlayStation 2 or Xbox. Um, I got actually got the Xbox version. Um, the PlayStation 2 version was hard to find. <clears throat> and it was, I had to pay like $25 to get this game used. Um, but it was well worth it. I put time and effort into that. And from character design to the bosses to the music, everything about this game it's just wonderful but people you know they weren't into platforming games like that so kind of feel by the wayside and i'm glad that it got announced as a sequel um and i can't wait to really play but um i it it was such a low-key title and people just very overlooked it um that you know and you know double fine wasn't really a big company at that time known for their games of course we know tim schaefer um you know being a creator and stuff and having his interviews but like his he wasn't bringing out game after game after game he really had to rely on a lot of publishers and because he couldn't uh before he even got into kickstarter he couldn't rely on a lot of publishers no more because i think i think that the business for that has like really hurt double fine and stuff but they got back um with costume quest and their other games and stuff like that um doing kickstarter but psychonauts is definitely a game that deserves to be played um the blah one and two um uh, even though thq is out of um you know as out of business if it's available uh of the block two is available on playstation 3 as a download uh, I, I advise you guys to play that game the blob and if you own the wii see if you can find a copy of the blob because it's such a good game it might be b-rated um because of the kid uh the kid friendliness of it but the music is amazing the platform is it's fun the uh the characters and you know the blob and his friends and going against the inked um like it's very funny with some of the cutscenes and stuff the game is definitely uh the blob too it's gorgeous on any system that you play on music is completely fantastic like it's it is like a to me personally it might be a b-rated platforming game and people might not you know think it's think it's not that not that good and stuff i give it a 10 out of 10 it's such a great game i i love it it's kind of why i do um games with color um because and you know i always talk about the blob one and the blob two because those games are not only colorful they're beautiful and the art and it really stands out um tumba for the playstation one um i believe is on psn also you guys could play that it makes platforming with some rpg elements and you know with some of the quests and stuff like that um it kind of has a little bit of a metroid style um designed to it so you might enjoy that too um vex came out for playstation 2 xbox and gamecube um i mentioned that one earlier uh so you may enjoy that one uh wario land shake it um for the wii yes it's a nintendo game but it's kind of uh it's and it's a treasure game um which i have some more treasure games also on this list um it's b-rated because wario is not kind of a big character i mean he's a big 
enemy, he's funny and stuff, but there's not a lot of platforming games that came out from him, and it kind of didn't really sell well. But it's it's a such great art style. I think you will love it. It's really fun to play. Uh, Sonic Colors, the Sonic uh, Sonic Colors came out for Wii. Um, this is the time where Sonic was like kind of in his downhill slump, and Sonic Colors kind of revived, you know, making a great Sonic game that gave a lot of people hope. Uh, Sonic Generations also for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 um, really sold a lot of people that Sega was on the right track of making a great Sonic game. Um, and I would like to uh, recommend Sonic Lost Worlds for the Wii U. I believe that game is really good, very, very colorful, uh, good designs. It has this problem. I could say that, but it really should be played. I do recommend that one too. Uh, Jumping Flash, um, which I'll talk about a little bit uh, when I get to the end, is a kind of a first-person platforming game for PlayStation 1. I believe it's on PSN also. And you jump up really high trying to land on platforms in this first-person angle. And you kind of, instead of jumping on enemies, you actually shoot them with like a gun, like I think some kind of carrots and stuff that you also collect. Um, it's kind of a 3D puzzle kind of game, but it's a really, it's like really fun game. I played it when the PlayStation first came out, kind of sold me on it. And I kept playing the demo and I really had to, uh, play the whole game, which is, uh, really good. Um, Medieval for PlayStation 1, I believe that's on PSN also. Um, kind of, uh, RPG is action platforming game. I do recommend that one. McDonald Kids for her. Um, or McKids or something like that for the Sega Genesis. That's a weird kind of platform, um, game, but it's by Treasure and Treasure is good to, good for their great games. Um, Mischief Makers for N64 is a good platformer. Gunstar Heroes is a good Contra action platformer that I do recommend that you guys also play. Um, Rocket Knight Adventures, um, I played a little bit of music from that in this episode, which I'll tell you a little bit a lot later on. Um, was uh Bright Night Adventures was actually uh, exclusive to the Sega Genesis. It never came out to the Super Nintendo. Um the, the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis got Sparkster, which is Rocket Knight Adventures 2. Um, Rocket Knight Adventures is like an action platform game. So good. I think you will enjoy the music. It's challenging though. When you get to later, uh, when you raise up the level to like normal hard, it's very challenging, but it's such fun to play. Um, I think you'll be able, if you can find a copy of that or, or even watch a video of it, or find a Sega Genesis that still <laughs> that still works um and play that game you would definitely enjoy it donkey kong 64 when i as i talked about collectathons um this game was made by rare they're known for their collectathons uh look at banjo kazooie um look at uh donkey kong country um i i feel like donkey kong country uh uh donkey kong 64 is b-rated because even though it's a Nintendo property, um, Nintendo really didn't make it rare, which is a, was a second party to Nintendo before they sold them. Um, they were known to make platforming games like this. And it's kind of sluggish now when you look at it. Um, it did use like the 64 cart that was in the back of the controller kind of to make the game run a little bit smoother. No, no, that was for the same thing. The, the um, For the Nintendo 64, there was like a little 24 megabit or something like that to make the games run a little bit better and look a little bit better. So Donkey Kong 64 actually used that. Um, 
it, you switch characters and, you know, you collect bananas and different color bananas and animals and all that stuff. It's a collectathon and it's long. It doesn't look great. It plays okay. Like, you might enjoy it, but looking at it now, it, I, yeah, it's, it's B rated to me. Um, Blinks the Cat for, uh, the Xbox. Um, a cat who has a vacuum cleaner that, uh, rewinds. Uh, and Mar- uh, Luigi's Mansion for GameCube. I don't want to say that's B rated. That was really good. Um, people who played the 3DS version of Luigi's Mansion, the sequel, um, could really appreciate it. Um, uh, the Capcom arcade game, um, I played that at Dave and Buster's. I can't say enough. If you see it there, get a chance to play it. Um, it takes kind of Luigi's Mansion from the GameCube one. Um, and you're able to kind of go through the levels, um, like a home, uh, house of the dead style, uh, real, a real long shooter, but you would enjoy the game. I had so much fun with my friends playing it. Um, but back to blinks, the cat, um, he has this vacuum cleaner who has a um, time and uh, mechanics to it, so you can fast forward, rewind, like a VCR play stuff like that. Um, it, it's kind of before Braid or something like that, but you know, Blinks the Cat is kind of like average. They gave it like sixes and sevens, so it's kind of a B-rated title, definitely coming from Microsoft. Um, Malice, um, uh, that's a B-rated title. It went through through seven different publishers. Um, the development for it was it's just bonkers it spent years it was actually supposed to be out for the original xbox when the sister came out but it missed the launch and years passed and it just still had troubles so it really became um a b-rated title um klonoa uh, I, I claim this as the B-rated title because not many people know about it. It's a great game, but it's not really fully there. Um, Arrow the Acrobat was a platforming game originally from Capcom. They did one and two. Um, they did okay, but people kind of forgot about it. Like, I didn't play Arrow the Acrobat. Like, I, I was playing more of the Disney platforming games for the Super Nintendo. Um, but, you know, I didn't really pay attention to it. So it kind of felt way on the wayside. Um, Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. Okay. This game is amazing. You have to watch the videos. Um, it came out for the uh, GameCube and it has a very arcadey feel to it. Um, so you can see, um, how the Sega, um, not Sega, um, how Sonic's design applies to this game. And it's such a fun game. It's funny. It's cute. You will love it. Um, cutscenes are funny. The, uh, the attacks and stuff, you roll and hit enemies with an egg and collect fruits to make your ad bigger it's such a great game i rented it and i brought in a buying the game and i laughed my tail off i still think it's a really fun game um bubsy for the super nintendo um that game oh my goodness um by accolade um not Buzzy 3D. Don't play that one. That one is not B rated. That one is just a terrible garbage game. <laughs> Leave that one alone. But Bubsy was kind of funny, and you know it, they had different parts of the level that you could go to, and you know the music and change and stuff. I beat that in one sitting. And what's crazy about Buzzy is that you know he he kind of has Sonic's kind of speed, like he runs a little bit fast, and he could go like throughout the level. Um, this time though with uh bubsy you could jump high in the air you could hit an enemy and it looks like they got into that cartoon fight where it's a whole bunch of smoke and you see stars and stuff like that 
um, when you jump on their head, on the alien's head, um, they gave you like a flying mechanic where if you jump up and I believe if you press Y, he would like glide, uh, glide through it. You could kind of get through the whole level like that. They didn't really have that many collectathons. It's just like yarn was your currency. So you would collect just different yarns to get like, um, extra man. Or you collect shirts that would give you like extra men. And so, uh, but let's see, um, it's a it's a crazy game, but it was completely fun. It's very B rated, and you probably can't find it anymore. But it deserves to be looked at, and if you can find a copy, it deserves to be played. Um, I do want to give an honorable mention though to Batman for the NES, um, uh, by Sunsoft. Um, even though it's an action platforming game, it's really really good. I do recommend people just go back and play the excellent music. Um. F- the graphics are amazing it's just it, it's just it's really really good um but um it, it might be kind of hard for you to find but those are some games uh that i do recommend that you guys check out um not download some of them if you can uh i i do recommend if you can find a physical copy or if these copies are available digitally um do give them a try you know they really deserve uh, a time to be played i'm just but i got some plugs for you guys and got some a uh, couple of announcements and stuff um optional opinion is actually now on google play so you can if you can find the podcast on um google play just look at optional opinion and it should be there and you guys can subscribe um we're also on the anonymous radio network.podbean.com soundcloud and on itunes so um optional opinion is definitely my show i keep saying we uh, and i do apologize that uh but yeah optional opinion you can find on uh google play now on itunes where you can uh, subscribe and hear my other podcast the world one one podcast um with me larry giver and adrian nieto um where we talk different things about games retro cover um new things different topics do indie watch um and you know hope to hear from you guys feedback so um if you go on itunes and you go on soundcloud and um google play if you subscribe to us you actually will get optional opinion and world one one podcast um but you can find all my other episodes on those things and you can find them some of the main episodes on the anonymous radio network.podme.com i'm also part of the deluded geeks podcast on the anonymous radio network one of the co-hosts with justin villarreal um and our and other friends and we just talk a whole bunch of geek stuff um movies tvs um movie reviews um uh, we did uh 10 cloverfield lane so that'll be coming soon hopefully uh we'll be talking about captain america civil war so can't wait for that to discussion to happen but you can check some of our past episodes and laugh with us and me intrigued about the things that we talk about, how we all just geeked out and be very nerdy. Um, uh, some other podcasts, I do rec- recommend that you guys give a listen. Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is on SoundCloud and they're also on Google Play. So congratulations to those guys podcasts. Um, they're doing a poll. So if you go on Facebook and you, uh, like their, uh, like the page, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, you'll be able to see the poll. Give those guys a vote. Listen to their podcast. They're 
very good. They cover movies, TVs, wrestling, video games. Uh, they're so good to nerd out and talk out with. Um, just excellent. Um, another podcast I do recommend, Simon's Cake at simonscake.wordpress.com. Um, they do Let's Plays on YouTube. Um, uh, and, uh, also Johnny and, uh, Deuce, they also have a YouTube channel. So you can subscribe to Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce on their YouTube page. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, but Simon's Cake, they do Let's Plays. They have uh, their own podcast. Very good group of guys, um, and gals. Um, I can't wait to, um, um, have them on my show and I hopefully I get invited to Simon's Cake. I think those guys are really good uh at what they do. Very fun to talk games about with just awesome. Um the Digital Nerds uh advocate community or the DNA podcast, DNA community, um you can find their podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and they also have a YouTube channel. They not just do the DNA podcast, they have so many great shows that you guys could turn tune in and watch and listen and hear their thoughts. Corey and his team just does does a completely wonderful job um just everything that they work hard for and everything they love and geek out with and nerd out is the stuff that i love and geek out and nerd out with so um you can friend them uh find them awesome on facebook and uh like their page um very uh um group of guys hopefully i can have them on my show hopefully i could be on their show um just gotta get the timing right um like I said, World One One Podcast is on Facebook. We have, do have a page, so you guys could like our World One One Podcast. Uh, just type in World One One Podcast, and you'll see us three in sixteen bit or eight bit form, and like our page and join in some of the discussions and um, follow our, you know, follow us up, uh, subscribe to us. Um, and the way that you subscribe to Optional Opinion and on World One One, uh, if you're on iTunes, just type in Optional Opinion. Um, and it should come up and you'll be able to subscribe. Uh, same thing with, um, SoundCloud type in optional opinion. You'll see me, um, once you subscribe, you'll be getting optional opinion and the world one, one podcast, the NVC Nintendo voice chat video game book club is on Facebook. We do, we welcome all gamers who want to play old Nintendo games with us. And at the end of the month, we have a discussion about them. So we do welcome you guys and you can check us out also on YouTube. Uh, just type in the video. Uh, NVC video game book club um we just did donkey kong country for the super nintendo we just had a talk with that um anthony and john and me we three discussed that game our uh our likes and dislikes and you know have a really good time it was just such a good discussion um uh, so uh hopefully you guys will join us um this month we're playing yoshi willy world and you know hopefully we see you guys on the page that you join up with uh, join up with us and we be able to have a discussion and, and you know and see if you like the game or not or you know be able to help each other's out um but for optional opinion, you guys can email the show at myop2comment at yahoo.com. I want to know what you guys think about B-rated platforms and games that's not Mario. Platforming games that's just not a Mario. Um, I want to hear what you guys think. And like I said, you can uh, email the show at myop2comment at yahoo.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at thatretrocode, T-H-A-T-R-E-T-R-O-C-O-D-E. Um, follow me there. Um, so t- Talk games 
things with me. I love talking games and other things. Um, optional opinion. Um, you can find actually find this feature. Well, it ain't Mario on IGN.com. Just type in anime E N I M E, and you'll be able to find some of my other optional opinion blogs like that. Um, and you know, I I do kind of a week of these features. Um, and I do apologize. You'll probably see different dates on it. Um, I've really been busy at work, so I haven't had time to post them the way that I that I want to. Sometimes I get home and I fall asleep, and and I have to work on other games so I could get uh topics and research and things done. So I do apologize for this feature being late. Hopefully, it won't happen. It won't happen in the future. Um, because there are some more features that I really want to do. Um, the beauty of video games is coming back uh, in a couple of months. So please, hopefully, everybody check that out. Um, I, I got to get guests ready for that, too. Um, and this one, because I did the video game companies, uh, I'm actually doing genres um this time so um i'm planning out my how i want to do that and hopefully you guys will uh, give it a read and give it a listen uh listen to the podcast um uh, e3 is coming up so i am planning to do a e3 prediction store um a, a show um hopefully i can have uh christian back he did uh my first one so hopefully i can have him back on and get his thoughts uh, and i might actually do multiple shows and get more people thoughts and you know see where uh where everything lies i can't wait to have that um once again, um, the backlog bash is optional opinion. Backlog bash is um, blowout is happening again this year, um, and because I own a PlayStation Four and the Xbox One, um, I am going to be doing uh, games on those systems. So what it is is that I choose um, a game and play it for two weeks. Um, last year I did it for PlayStation Three, uh, Wii U, and 3DS. Um, uh, but now that I own more uh, consoles, I could dedicate more time to a particular game to that one console. So I'll be playing a game for PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Wii U. And what it is that I give games that's in my backlog two weeks to beat. Um, once I finish that, I'll probably do a podcast to talk about them. Um, even though um, it is going to be going through E3 and I'll be getting news to be, uh, do optional opinion record, I still are still going to try my best within those two weeks to play those games. Um, it's starting June 1st and ending July 31st. So you'll probably end up in the first week in August. I'll probably do a special optional opinion where I cover all four games and see what I like and dislike and, you know, give them more time that I think about it. Um, but I cannot wait to dive in. And even if I don't beat the game, and this goes for anybody, if you want to do the backlog bash blowout, um, pick up four games, dedicate two weeks to each game, and, be you know, maybe write about them, talk to them, email me at my op. Uh, my op to comment at yahoo.com and i want to hear what you guys think um about your about the game that you chose or even follow me on twitter and let me know what you guys think um i probably will do a feature for for optional pen or ign.com like to write uh, so hopefully you guys will check that out but with that i am gone i am about to go because i have to work on the division and then i have to work on uncharted 3 before uncharted 4 comes out next week so you guys have a great weekend have a great 
week have a great day have a great night uh be safe spend time with family and friends uh happy mother's day to all the mothers um if you're playing this in the car with your mom or any moms checking this out happy mother days uh happy early mother day to you guys uh and with that i am out oh i'm sorry before i go can i give you guys a list of the music that i played i'm so sorry about that uh it, it's been a, a crazy crazy day so my intro was super bell hill from super mario 3d world um my music break one was uh sonic one uh labor zone uh, my second music break was Arrow the Acrobat 2 This is for the Super Nintendo. It's Bell's Castle, uh, Bell Castle Act 1. Uh, Rocket Knight Adventures, uh, was, uh, Stage 5 Act 2. Techno City Type, uh, Jumping Flash was the next title. And that was World 3-2. Um, and I'm going out with Okami Instrumental Beautiful Sample Hip Hop Rap Beat. Um, this is by Maurice Shirley. So you can check him out on YouTube. Um, he, he does a very good job of this beat. I, I'm really digging it, really feeling it. And I do apologize for being late with the music. <laughs> I'm not telling you guys. But um, if you want to guys check, want to check it out, there all available on youtube and you give it a listen and with that i am i am out peace